All right, we are continuing in our series of engaging those in, in our culture, and uh, we've kind of broadened it to the other religions of the world that we might understand how to meet those needs, and just as a refresher, uh, I didn't do it for a couple of weeks, and now I'm going to continue on this last week and this week, how do we engage? We engage carefully, and we engage respectfully, and we engage with God's Word. And that's so important, that we engage and talk to people carefully. We take the time to listen, and to understand um, how they think, what's going on in their hearts and minds. And we're respectful. Uh, some have deeply held beliefs that may be very much an error according to God's Word. Um, I always like the, uh, the saying, you draw more flies with honey than, water, than vinegar. And as we are kind and uh, careful with them, uh, we then bring to bear the full weight of God's Word. Because in the end, it's not going to be our logic. It's going to be God's Word that sticks with them. And so, uh, we, we, as we do so, we ask these questions of the culture or the religion. How do they treat the Scripture? Do they treat the Scripture as true? How do they treat Christ? Is He God in their religion? And we look at justification, salvation, by grace through faith. So this week, we are going to look into the uh, Christian science religion. And it's interesting, uh, I, I may get into some of the demographics if we have time. Um, it used to be much more prevalent, and now it's kind of, um, it's gone down, I would say. The latest numbers, they don't broadcast their, their numbers on their website, but probably between 200 and 500,000, 200,000 to 500,000 members uh, signed, signed up registered members. Others kind of practice that on the side. They may not be total members, but that's, that's, uh, that's pretty much the basis of it. And the, the genesis of Christian science comes from one lady, Mary Baker Eddy, Glover Patterson, I think, of the other uh, men that she had married, last names. But she was born in Bow, New Hampshire, reared in a strict Congregationalist household, and uh, the early life, up to age 22, was marked by frequent illnesses, both physical and emotional illnesses, according to her biographers. But in December of 1843, she married George Glover. But George, they didn't remain married long. George died about seven months later. Uh, Mary was pregnant at the time. I thought it was interesting. He died in Wilmington, South Carolina. I'm not sure how he got there. Uh, didn't say uh, but she was pregnant. Mary was pregnant at the time. And uh, this tragedy left her really highly unstable. And she began to rely upon morphine. Um, and she would go back to that over time um, throughout her life. She would go back to morphine. And this is verified both by her biographer and by her long-term, a long-time assistant. Well, a decade passed. And she married Dr. Daniel Patterson on June 21st, 1853. And then some years later, she divorced him. And then her third last marriage was to Asa G. Eddy when Mary was 56. And he later died of a coronary thrombosis. And she did not marry again. Um, and the birth of the Christian science movement is, comes about this way. Uh, we have to understand um, 
that in this process, there was a man, if, if Mary was the mother of Christian science, there was a, name, a man by the name of Phineas Parkhurst, Parkhurst Quimby, was probably the father, although he was never identified as a Christian scientist. He was one who uh, delved into mental, mental health and mental science, as he called it. He used terms like the science of man and the science of Christ. In, in the late 1850s, he wrote a series of essays on this. And while it seems they disagreed on uh, the existence of matter, we'll talk about that maybe, uh, religion and perception of God, it seems if you compare works that um, Eddie plagiarized in a great way Quimby's writing. In fact, Walter Martin's book, um, The Kingdom of Cults, I've had here. Um, yes, it's large. Um, he chronicles those plagiarisms. He kind of puts side by side on that. Well, it happened this way. In February 1st, 1866, uh, Mary Baker Eddy fell on ice. And according to the Christian Science website and uh, uh, the authorized biographies of her, she uh, was pronounced incurable by Dr. Alvin uh, Cushing. And she was given, given three days to live. And on the third day, how significant, as the story goes, she cried out for a Bible turned to Matthew 9.22, and rose completely healed. And thus, she discovered Christian science. And so she was convinced that God had healed her, and she spent the next several years searching the Scriptures to understand the principle behind her healing. She named her discovery Christian Science, and explained it in 1875 when she wrote, uh, first wrote The Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures. And this was revised many times over the years. Uh, so the science and health with the key to scriptures is their main scripture. Um, it's interesting, however, remember the story of her falling and how uh, Dr. Uh, Cushing was given her three days to live? Well, uh, Dr. Alvin Cushing, while attending physician at this illness, he denied under oath in a thousand-word statement that he ever believed that she was in a precarious physical condition. He denied that. And moreover, he said, the contrary to the claims of Christian scientists, that Edie, as when he saw her, uh, had robust health. And that he further attended her in August the same year for four separate times, administered medicine to her for her body, bodily ailments. Now, administering medicine, is that's a no-no. Um, so we, we start to look and see the founding of Christian science as, as a lie, really. So there's Scripture. The science to health with key to Scripture. Now, the word key in the title is key because she said that this was the reference of her being the woman in Revelations 12, that she is the key to unlocking the Bible, which she called a dark book. She claimed the Bible had many mistakes and that her writing provided the key to what was spoken in the Bible. So what I wanted to do, I think it's easiest for us to do, is to contrast Christian science versus the Bible. And I want you to remember as you go along what you have studied according to God's Word. Not what someone has told you, but what God's Word says. And we're going to look at a few of the issues that they believe. Because they claim to be... Does this work? Oh, you know what? Let me pause this because... You know what? At last moment, I included video. Yes. Stop. Come back here. 
It's because I, it, number one, this, these uh, guys look like the guys on uh, the Mac commercial. All right, pulpit uh, one is on. All right, let's try again. Hey, how's it going, dude? Hey, this just came for you. Interesting. It says, some folks say that Christian science rejects the Bible, and other people say that that's not true. Is Christian science Bible-based or what? Well, frankly, I've been studying Christian science for seven years, and I can tell you it's definitely Bible-based. Frankly, I can tell you I've been studying Christian science for about five minutes, and it's definitely Bible-based. I mean, they read the Bible at every church service, right? It's true. And if you look at the Christian science textbook, Science and Health, if you just flip through the thing, you realize that the whole thing is filled with Bible citations. Yeah. And what about this weekly Bible lesson that's read by Christian scientists all over the world? Well, not only that, but we also follow the example of Jesus. We pray the Lord's Prayer at church. Hey, wait, we... hold on. Well, you're a Christian scientist. What's your deal? Dude, I love the Bible. It's central to my practice of Christian science. There you go. There you go. It's Bible-based. Okay? This is Bible-based. Um, so what does it say? It says, God is a spirit who is ever-present, all-knowing, all-powerful, and good. God is the father-slash-mother God. Other names for God are divine mind, soul, principle, life, truth, love. To the Christian scientist, God is the governing principle of the universe to which a person must harmonize his belief. Um, from, from Walter Martin. Uh, the next one, from Science and Health. The deific definition of principle is love, and love is mind. And mind is not both good and bad, for God is mind. Therefore, there is the reality, one mind only, because there is one God. Next, that's from Science and Health, 330, 21-30. Next one. The theory of three persons in one God, that is, a personal trinity or triunity, suggests polytheism. You start to say there's one God, and they, according to them, and that God is not a personal God, and it is in three in one, three in one, that if you read... Uh, the account of Jesus in, as he's in the upper room praying his high priestly prayer, where it, in the one verse, has both the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, that's, that's just polytheism, and they would reject that. Here we go. Walter Martin, the Christian science contends that God is impersonal, devoid of any personality at all. If you start to look at their concept of God, and is not the concept of God that we find in Scripture. And it seems that it's Bible-based, and they jump off the Bible, but they re, she reinterpreted the Bible for everyone and start changing, start changing things. So, what about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is divine science. Okay, that is the, really the Holy Spirit. Is the Spirit of God and is only discernible and knowable by a person through his spiritual awareness. It is an emanation, a presence a law of God in action. So there's not a person, there's not the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not, no, not that way. It's just a, a, a kind of amorphous, it really is the divine science about this. What about Jesus? Who would they say Jesus is? Well, Jesus is the divine idea man. Okay, the, uh, this is often repeated, the divine idea man. Jesus was not the Christ, but a perfect representation of the Christ consciousness. 
that is the true and higher self of every person. So, uh, divergence, yes. God the Father, yes. God the Son, yes. And, and even, even further from Scripture of Jesus. So Jesus was not really a person. It was the representation of the Messiah. What else? Okay. Christ is a manifestation of all that is good and true, the realization of divine principle. A Christian science can say, I am Christ. You see in the Science and Health 333, 3-15, and then again repeated in 334. It's kind of strange. I can, if a Christian scientist can say, I am Christ, according to this. Nowhere in Scripture. Well, it gets a little more hard to take. Jesus Christ, one sacrifice, however great, is insufficient to pay the debt of sin, she writes. The atonement requires a constant self-immolation on the sinner's part. That God's wrath should be vented upon His beloved Son is divinely unnatural. Such a theory is man-made. So, we take the, the substitutionary, vicarious atonement of Christ for mankind, and she would say that's man-made, not God-made. And God, that, that's unnatural for God to vent His wrath on a beloved Son. And we look at Scripture, we say it is the height of love, it is the depth of grace for God Himself to go to the cross and to receive upon Himself our sin. To bear, yes, the wrath of God on Himself. Jesus bearing the wrath of God for himself, took all of our sins. Mm, This is a little harder. Next one. The material blood of Jesus was no more efficacious to cleanse from sin when it was shed upon the, quote, accursed tree, end quote, than when it was flowing in his veins as he went daily about his father's business. Now, no matter, without the shedding of blood, there was no remission. It says it was not efficacious to cleanse. It wasn't it wasn't efficient, it wasn't, couldn't bring its weight to bear to cleanse sin. No, it couldn't do that. Next one. His disciples believed that Jesus to be dead while he was hidden in the sepulcher, whereas he was alive. And so they would preach, um, much like Islam. Islam would preach, well, he didn't actually die, um, at the last minute, God substituted, um, it, it only appeared to be Jesus on the tree. Here, he didn't die. He was hidden in a sepulcher, and then he was alive. And so when he, when he came alive, then they realized what Christian science had done for them, and then they began to spread the gospel. And this final one, I think this is the final one here uh, about Jesus, is probably the most tragic and offensive If there had never existed such a person as the Galilean prophet, speaking of Jesus, it would make no difference to me. This is from her writings in the First Church of Christ, Scientist, and Miscellany, pages 318 and 19. So here they're denying the deity of Christ, denying that Christ's blood was sufficient for our sins, 
denying that he died. And, and for what it's worth, it really doesn't matter. I, it wouldn't make any difference to me, she said, had he actually existed or not. And so something that claims to be based on the Bible has made a, a, a dramatic run into the ditch, I would say. It left anything that, be, that could be called based on Scripture. Unless you say there's a, so loosely based, there's a, there's a, a God, and from then on it, it changes. And there are many who are caught up in this. Um, maybe not as many as there used to be because of just some of the things that have gone on within the, uh, the church itself. But people believe and swallow this. And it's very sad. Very sad. Well, we've looked at God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Christ. Well, let's look at other things. Uh, How about prayer? Eddie taught, prayer to a personal God hinders spiritual growth. Instead, prayer is contemplation and internalization of divine truths. It is taking hold of God's willingness. It is an affirmation of God's being in relation to man. So, in their mindset, prayer is to meditate on divine truths. It's not actually calling out to God. It's not actually bowing down before God and pouring our heart out to God and praying because God is not personal, understand. There's not a personal God in their, in their, uh, in their reality God is not personal, so it doesn't matter to pray to him. And so the, it would fly in the face of calling to me, and I will answer you. It, it, the, the calls of prayer in the Bible, uh, they would reject in such a great way. So another thing, um, sickness. Look at prayer and sickness. Um, Here's the difficulty. It is not generally understood how one disease can just be much a delusion as others. It is a pity that the medical faculty and clergy have not learned this, for Jesus established this when he, with this foundational fact when devil's illusions were cast out and the dumb spake. So let me back up just for, for the fun of it. Um, so sickness is a delusion. Okay, so understand that. You're sick, it's just in your head. And so when Jesus cast out, he was actually opening them to the truth that they really did not have sickness. Um, So sickness, healing is accomplished by correct thinking, according to the the Christian science principles, a change in belief that affects physical symptoms. So I'm going to play for you here. Going back to this, um, a gentleman here. I became very ill with a throat infection, and this was just a few weeks before I was due to leave my job and start a surveyor's course. One of the partners in the firm where I worked became concerned and came to see me at home. My mother had been looking after me and praying for me, and she'd also enlisted the help of a Christian science practitioner. The next morning... In the post, I got a letter from the firm. The senior partner had decided that I needed the time off to recuperate 
before I started my course. And so he'd included some sick pay to cover the time in question. Imagine their surprise when I turned up at work that morning perfectly healed with the money and ready to start work. Well, the partner who'd seen me the afternoon before couldn't believe his eyes and asked me what had happened. What had happened was that my mother was helping me. She was reading from the Bible. She was reading from Science and Health. And suddenly she came to the, the piece in Revelation which talks about the great red dragon, uh, which symbolizes some total of evil. And then she said that even that was like a big balloon and you could just pop that with a little pin. And that made me laugh. It was just such a ridiculous uh, image and that completely broke the fear. And shortly after that, the pain went and I was well the next day. I'll just leave that there. Um, so illness is just a concept uh, that is your mind. It's a delusion. Um, and so this to follow up from Science and Health in 447, the sick are not healed by declaring there is no sickness, but by knowing that there is none or no sickness. So it's not that you, I'm sick and I declare there's no more sick, but just I have to come to the understanding that now there is no more sickness. And so you, you start to see a very divergent a teaching, a very divergent teaching of what, from, from the Bible. Does God heal? Absolutely. Absolutely. But does he heal by us saying, there is no such thing as sickness? No. He doesn't. Nowhere in Scripture. In fact, the instances in Scripture of, of God's healing was healing that brought praise and glory to God. And those who were healed brought praise and glory to God. Well, we'll continue. Uh, oh, by the way, um, Mark Twain has a little bit. I didn't read the book, but I saw the synopsis. And Mark Twain wrote, because he lived in this time, um, a book on Christian science. And this was the blurb. Um, it describes how he fell over a cliff while walking in Austria, breaking several bones. A Christian science practitioner who lived nearby was sent for, but could not attend immediately, and so undertook to provide an absent healing, quote-unquote. She sent a message asking Twain to wait overnight and to remember that there was nothing wrong with him. And I think he goes on to, um, uh, to talk about how nothing was wrong. Well, <laughs> he felt the pain of nothing wrong with him on that. I can only, I can only imagine how Mark Twain would respond to this. Um, but if you want a little light reading or heavy reading, you can... Uh, Fill me in on that. But the sick are not sick because they're declaring, but because there really is nothing that's sick. Um, good and evil. The notion that both evil and good are real is a delusion, she writes, in the, of the material sense, since science, which science annihilates. Evil is nothing, no thing, mind, or power. There is no such thing as good and evil in the science, Christian science lexicon. There's nothing that would say is good or evil because science is all, the mind is all. It is only how we perceive things 
Well, that gets us into um, the idea of sin. So long as we believe that the soul can sin or that the immortal soul is in a mortal body, we can never understand the science of being. So what she's saying here is that um, you've got to get over this idea, uh, this silly idea that the soul can sin. Okay, that's nothing. Okay, or an immortal soul is in, a mortal, in an immortal body because really we're, we're much more transcendent than that. Um, if, so in order to understand the science of being, we have to, to come to, to get through those things. It's interesting because Eddie... Um, she claimed that there was no such thing as the material world. I mean, really, it's all the divine principle, and God is all in all. That's the all in all is, is often a term for, for God. But there really is no such thing as the material world. However, um, she sure liked material things, and when she died, she had a personal wealth of um, $3 million. I think her death was 1921. And so she enjoyed the things of the material world, even though it wasn't there. Um, so how do they understand the authority of Scripture? As you saw in the clip earlier, they claim that the Bible is important, that things are based on the Bible. However, Christian scientists use science and health to guide their lives, not the Bible. The Bible readings are there, but you remember the book is old and it's, um, it's hard to understand. And so that's why she had to write Science and Health. And so we, we, we understand that um, in their world, the Bible is nothing. John seventeen seventeen sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Scripture maintains, by God's word, as he wrote it, it maintains the truth of his word. If you continue passages over and over, 2 Timothy 3, 14-17, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them, that from a childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation. Sorry, I continue with my slide here. Um, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired, God-breathed, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. You see, we as believers, followers of Christ, must maintain the sufficiency, not only of Christ, but the sufficiency of God's Word. That He has left us His record of how to live. And... The passage I keep coming back to in Galatians. If an angel or any other person, a man, or even I, Paul says, bring you another gospel, he or, in this case, she is to be accursed. See, to once we stray from God's word, the sufficiency of God's word, once we stray from the understanding that it is our sole record of how to live, a faith and practice. We must view everything through the lens of God's Word, not from our own practice, our faith, or how we live, or our own experiences, or how we've been healed, or anything else. If we depart from God's Word, we are lost from the reality of what God has for us, and we, we begin to apostatize very quickly. Second Peter 
But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture... Whoops, that's... Sorry. Next one, there we go. No prophecy of Scripture... Um, is a matter of one's own interpretation. Let's stop there a second. And how easy it is that we've seen that in many cases it is the own interpretation. I think it means this, she writes. I think it means this, Ron Hubbard writes. Or I think it, and you go on down, Joseph Smith writes. So how do we reconcile Scripture we reconcile Scripture with Scripture. We don't understand Scripture. We don't make it up. We look for other parts of Scripture to help us understand. Not my thoughts. Not my interpretation of Scripture. Well, this seems strange, so I'm going to say it means this. No, instead, we go to Scripture to interpret Scripture. Not my own thoughts. Not our own thoughts. For no prophecy I was ever made... Um, by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Psalm 119.40 Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. Isaiah 40a The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. It is the authority of Scripture upon which we stand. So, um, in Kingdom of Cults, um, I've listed some pages to read you, I may not. Uh, the, there is much turmoil now over the last number of years in the Christian Science Church. Many court battles, um, suing uh, people within the church, mostly without the church. Um, and so, it's, it, it's difficult to really engage Understand they're a human-centered religion. That fulfilling the potential and knowing your true self is the highest means. And they co-opt and rewrite Jesus and the God of the Bible. So how do you engage a Christian science and conversation? How do, how, how do you talk to them? Um, because these are some have very deeply held beliefs as in every religion, some are on the fringe. But engaging is very difficult since science and health, their publication, is equally as authoritative as the Bible. So there is great difficulty in that. Here's a couple of questions to ask. Um, and take them always to Scripture in these. Number one, let's deal with the issue of sin. Okay, so if sin is not real, you can ask. If sin is not real... Why does the Bible say that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Okay. If sin was just uh, nothing, a figment of your imagination, or there's no such thing as good and evil, why does the Bible even address it? In fact, maintain that because of our sin, we're short of the glory of God. We've missed the mark, and so we have no hope of having fellowship with God. If sin is only just a is something that we've made up. You could talk to him about that. Um, first John, we'll, we'll look at it next, next Sunday. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the Bible says. So if we say that our, isn't really, there's self-deception in Christian science. Secondly, so a, a, approach or approach the topic of sin. Secondly, um, 
as we read before, in Science and Health, with key to scriptures, Mary Baker Eddy said, the material blood of Jesus was no more efficacious to cleanse from sin than when it was shed on the cursed tree than when it was flowing in his veins as he went through daily business. The question is, why would she contradict so plainly the teaching of scripture that says, but if we walk in the light as he himself was in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So you're taking them where Scripture contradicts directly science and health. So if the blood was not, there was no merit in that, then why does John say as he writes, it does have power to cleanse. It does have this wonderful purifying effect if it had no power at all. And then third, so sin, ask them about sin. Secondly, ask him about the blood of Christ out of John 1, 1 John 1. And then thirdly, why would Mary Baker Eddy directly contradict Jesus' claim of himself being God? Because she said that Jesus is not God. Jesus as himself declared, but a son of God. Okay, So the whole understanding of Jesus as God himself. So you can take them, read through the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Mark, all the Gospels. Read where the Jews uh, took up stones to stone Jesus because they understood that he said he was God. And that was blasphemy, blasphemy to them. And as you, as you speak with a Christian scientist, they have to come to a crossroads themselves, and you want to bring them to the crossroads. Do I believe Mary Becker Eddy, or do I believe God's Word? It's not about you, do they believe you. Never make the argument about you, or a pastor, or a preacher. Do they believe God's Word, or do they believe science and health, the key to Scripture? That is the only way. And remember, God's Word is powerful. Okay? God's Word is powerful. And the more that you can give God's Word plainly to them, the more God will use His Word to work in their hearts. And so my argument is not, I said, a certain man said, a certain woman said in her writings, but, but God's Word says this. How do you reconcile? The science and health contradicts this. I would, I would call them to carefully examine Jesus of the Bible without the lens of science and health. That really is the only thing that, that will make them start to understand. It's put aside the science and health and look at Scripture. Um, take them to, we'll study this in a couple of weeks. 1 John 2.22 who is a liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Okay. And if you believe this in the science of help, then you're placing yourself with Mary Baker Eddy. Jesus indeed is the Christ. Simon Peter, Matthew 16, 16. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Acts 5, 42. And every day in the temple... From house to house, they kept it right on teaching and preaching Jesus as Christ. Matthew 16, 20, Luke 9, 20, John 20, verse 31, Acts. That, that final passage is John writes, I write these that you may know Jesus is the Son of God. Acts 3, 20, uh, Acts 9, 22, 18, 5, 18, 
also in Acts 18.28. All these passages talk of Christ. Jesus called himself Christ. John 4, 25 and 26. Um, but the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called to Christ, when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am he. He did the works that, uh, that God would do. Christ is God. And so as you have an occasion, and I would not run away from them just because um, they may be a little more entranced, uh, ensconced uh, in their religion, but engage them, talk to them, have them over, um, and share with them Scripture. And I, and I find this is the best way. Help me understand this is what the Bible says. Is there another place in, Bible, in the Bible where God said he wasn't God? Jesus said he wasn't God? Help me understand this from the Bible. Because if they're a Bible-based religion, then the Bible must be the groundwork. And so always take them there. We have uh, two minutes. Any questions that I might answer? Yes. Yes. Okay, so yes, the question is, they don't believe in prayer, but they pray the Lord's Prayer in their services. Well, um, to be based on the Bible, they do certain things to, so that people think they are a Christian religion. But in her writings, in her writings she say, prayer is nothing. What they mean by prayer is the internalization of principles of Christian science. Those things that to talk about and to meditate upon the good things. You're not actually crying out to God. So part of what they do is to, to seem, I believe, to seem like a religion uh, that is Bible-based. They have daily, daily devotions uh, that they mail out. Yes? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the comment for the for, for the recording is uh, yes, death would seem to be a failure. <laughs> yes, church discipline if you die. Um, let me add something else to it. That if you're sick and you go to a church, Christian Scientist practitioner, they will charge you for them to see you and to pray for you. Okay. And so. I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't have to follow logic that, yes. Um, at some point, you have to go back to the divine principle, I'm sure. Good, good question. Anything else? Yes, Katie? So, do they, um, apparently, they say they're Bible-based, and that guy in the video looked like he was carrying a Bible with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that may not be a norm, but how can they possibly... Yeah, how can they say they're Bible-based and yet have such contradictory 
uh, thoughts. Remember that Mary Baker Eddy said that the Bible was a dark book. And so you and I really can't understand it outside of her writings. And so we'll carry a Bible, but it's science and health, the key to Scripture, is equal or actually more important than the Bible. And so, no, that doesn't mean that. It means this, what Mary has written. Yes, one more. Yes. Part of it was Quimby. Um, the science of man, the, the guy that she um, had, came in contact with before her fall, and she discovered uh, Christian science. Part of it is from his writings. And so there will be a, it's not science in the sense of um, atoms and molecules. <laughs> it is uh, the science of man or, and mental health science, in a lot of sense. Um, so they'll talk about the divine science, the principle of God is the divine science. So from that standpoint, because he's impersonal, we can't, but he's, he's given us, to her, he's given us this principle of science. But no, we, and frankly, I thought too, the Christian reading room would be, let's go read science textbooks, along with the Bible. That's not it. Um, but they go and read uh, science and health and compare it to scripture or Christian Science Monitor, compare it to the news of the day. So, it's not like we would think of science. Good. Yes, one more? I think it was originally an outreach opportunity. I don't know um, how effective it is today. Uh, they own the properties for the most part now. Um, and so... I think to keep them open. Uh, it is a place for people to congregate who are Christian scientists. There is a church uh, that you go and meet and gather. Uh, but the reading rooms, I think, were intentionally started as quote-unquote evangelistic tools. I don't know. In fact, I've not... Anyone visited the one in Greenville? I've never seen anybody in there ever. Yeah, I... We'll go this week. There we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... I mean, understand, and, and that's the thing. I, um, part of it, it, it's hard not to, to look at this and say, wow, this is so divergent from Scripture that it's almost laughable. But understand, these people are, you know, and they would say about us, oh, well, they just, man, they're just so ensconced in their beliefs, how could they not see? Uh, they're very sincere people who, who follow this. The only hope of them is seeing the God of the Bible reading Scripture and finding the true Jesus as presented in God's Word. And folks, that's why I keep coming back to the authority of Scripture. How they deal with Scripture, the veracity of Scripture, that God has given us His record. How they deal with Christ and then how they deal with salvation. How is a man and a woman justified? By works? By thought? By overcoming? There is, there is no such thing as pain or sorrow or suffering, but it's just, it's not there, so just forget about it? Or is it through Christ that we find forgiveness of sin? We have a hope of heaven. We have the present indwelling the Holy Spirit.
And so our message is hopeful. It's hopeful to a Christian scientist. So as you go interact, pray. Be kind. Pray that the the Holy Spirit would work in hearts. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, by your mercy and grace, Lord, we pray for those who have um, taken another gospel. And Lord, we pray that you would give us opportunities. Lord, may we go in, in love and kindness. Lord, may we go as Jesus went. May we do so in such a way that brings glory to you. And Father, may we take the word of God as our only source of truth. And so may, may we impart the love of Jesus and the mercy of Christ that's been given to us. May we impart that to others. May you be glorified. Which in Christ's name I pray. Amen.